attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Jay Berman, although you may know him as Morley Berman. Uh, Jay was a staff man just for a couple years back in the 50s, and then when I first started in camp, Jay made a return, and uh, I met him then, and I knew that he had a little history with camp because of that. So even though his time at camp is brief, um, with the large space in between, I thought he'd be an interesting interview, and it turned out that he was. I went to see him while I was out in San Diego, and we had a delightful time. Uh, He is at the, this interview happens at the end of the day, I left New York City at 6 a.m. New York time, and I'm interviewing him at 10.30 p.m. California time. All travel, everything all happened the same day, and no nap. And I'm not very good without a nap in general. <laughs> Before we get to that, though, a couple quick camp-related announcements. Number one, this weekend, Stevenson High School's doing Fiddler on the Roof. Our own Matthew Zimmering uh, got himself a role in the show, and he's going to be fantastic. You should, If you get a chance, you should go see him in the show. Secondly, the 21st of November, we're doing an open gym out at Joy of the Game. It's in Deerfield. Uh, We'll be there from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Tuesday the 21st. And if you have any further questions or want more information about that, of course, you can drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibbaHistory.org. Okay, enough about that. Here we go. Jay Berman on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. times I've ever known And I believe there is a time for meditation Yeah, my name is Jay, Ber- <laughs> Jay Berman, which is actually my middle name, Jay. My first name is Morley, which uh, some people up at camp probably know me by better than Jay because I, I think at that time I was really using that more. But uh, anyway, so I was up there in 1958 and then missed a year, and then I was up there in 1960 as a counselor for those two years. Very nice. And so how did you come across Camp Ojibwe? Uh, I grew up in Chicago, not Highland Park like those fancy kids from camp did, right? And uh, one, of the, one of the girls at my high school who was a good friend of mine who was a year or two maybe younger than I was, uh, was Roz Novak, who happened to be the daughter of uh, Sid Novak. And she told me all about this place and her dad uh, being, was his title athletic director or whatever, yeah, I, whatever uh, it was. Yeah, he was either head counselor head or counselor, whatever, director, whatever, yeah. whatever it was called. And uh, at that time, apparently, uh, they were looking around for somebody to kind of head up the music 
department mm-hmm. in uh, at camp, and uh, Roz told Pearl or somebody, uh, you know, about me, and somehow we got in touch. I don't remember exactly the logistics, yeah. but uh, so I ended up going uh, going up there in 1958, which was really uh, pretty neat. Uh, I, as I say, I wasn't a camper ever there, you know. You know, my dad didn't really have the bucks even in those days to afford whatever camp was in sure. 1958, probably. <laughs> and if, even if he did, he wouldn't have given it to me, probably. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyway, my only camp experience uh, had been, we had a relative, actually, who owned a camp in northern Michigan. Oh, okay. And so... When I was maybe, you know, around 12 years old or something for a few years, my sister and I both were campers at this particular camp, which was called Long Wind, and it was on this lake called, there were two lakes, Lake Long and Lake Baldwin, so they okay. put them together and they ended up with that. And uh, this was just a long-term uh, job that these uh, cousins of mine had owning this camp. My mother went up there as the secretary mm. so uh you know i don't know if they gave us a freebie or discounted it or whatever it was sure. because she was working there so that was my only really camp experience before ojibwa so gotcha. i was uh I, I was really uh wide eyes i mean it was it was paradise as far as i was concerned you know yeah. wow what a place this how old are you at this point well let's see it was 1958 uh so I was I was just uh, maybe six months into college. I was eighteen, I think. Gotcha. And you had been a musician already. You were already a musician. When did you start playing instruments? And yeah, I guess I guess I did that. You know, started doing it sort of in a fun, serious, social way. Maybe in high school, you know, right. playing music and you know doing stuff for the schools and being the pianist for the choir and playing for sororities and fraternities and. Yeah. And it was uh, it was a nice, uh, fun thing to do. So I, I've really done that for, you know, a heck of a long time, really. And, and uh, then I, then I ended up uh, going uh, to medical school. Ended up uh, graduating med school in 1964, and uh, so that was my I guess day job, real job. But I, you know, while I was doing that, I, I've always been doing gigs of some yeah, kind or other. Absolutely. And, you know, Absolutely. So when when you uh, found out about the job at Ojibwa, it fit right in. To, you know, I mean, you already knew right away, oh, that's easy. That's, well, I'm already doing that stuff. <laughs> I, I guess so. You know, yeah. I mean, I didn't know exactly what it involved, you know, but I figured, well, I could probably, you know, I could probably handle it. Yeah. So, uh, so in 58, as a staff man, how do you get up there? Do you drive? Or, yeah, okay. I drove, yeah. Because I think the campers are still taking the, the train at that point, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't take a train, no. Yeah. I think we, uh, geez, I didn't have a car up there, but uh, I, don't, I don't really remember. Yeah, maybe I did take a train. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember, to tell you the truth. But I know I didn't have a car up there, but, right. but I did. I, yeah, I probably got a ride or something or other. Yeah. Uh, what's the first thing you remember about Ojibwa? I remember it was, you know, I'd heard it was an 
upscale kind of a camp, but I, I wasn't even sure what that meant. And, <laughs> sure. and then, then when I, I drove in, I guess, and I saw the, or I was driven in, saw the sort of the campus, you know, mm-hmm. where the all the cabins were, I said, wow, this really looks pretty cool. And uh, so I was impressed just by the facilities, I guess, you know, when I first drove in, because I, I really didn't have any friends, I don't think, even, that had really been up there as campers because that wasn't my neck of the woods. You gotcha. Know? Yeah. Nice. So you get up there, uh, you know Roz, you're going to mm-hmm. make some other friends, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, do you remember what cabin you're in? Yeah, first year I was a uh, counselor in cabin eight. I don't remember, I was trying to think, because uh, I knew you were coming by to do this, I was trying to think of the name of... Uh, my co-counselor and my JC, I, I just, the names escape me. If I heard them, I'd know. Sure, of course. And the second year, I was in uh, cabin six. Mm. And uh, I remember, you know, I remember some of the, you know, the more memorable campers, for sure. And uh, it was it was really neat. I mean, I'd never done anything said, really quite like that. And, uh, and I seemed to hit it off uh, with... Uh, with the staff, you know, Pearl loved me, you know, because <laughs> course, she was the music person, you know, that was her, her thing, so I was, I was, I could do no wrong almost, you yeah. know, so, uh, so I was very, felt, the, you know, very welcome, I thought the food and all that was pretty incredible for a camp, and, you know, just the facilities, and, and the people were all nice, and it was, uh, was well run and uh, it was. I mean, I looked around. This is this place is really unfucking believable. <laughs> really, right? <laughs> right? Uh, so when you get there, what's your? Uh, I guess uh, the question I'm trying to say is, what's your day like? But in the sense that, did they only have you sort of doing the thing you were hired for, or did they go, oh, well, we got to stick it? Oh no, no, stuff. you know, like like most people, you know, you're kind of multi, you know, <laughs> multitasker. I was a pretty good softball player, so mm. uh, they. They had me uh, doing a lot of the, uh, you know, the umping and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, you know, when Sid Novak wasn't doing it. Right. Which he usually was for the big <laughs> games. <laughs> but right. for, you know, off, off the... So so I helped a lot, and I taught, uh, actually, softball mm, okay. to, uh, to some of the kids. And, you know, I knew a lot about, I guess, techniques of hitting right. and whatever. And in those days, they, I, I they was, taught I, every morning, right? Like they had a period yeah, of teaching yeah. every morning. You know, and I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I'm not a big, strong guy. I couldn't. I mean, I remember guys uh, that were up there that, you know, that especially the lefties that, and, you know, mm-hmm. hit it out to the mess hall, which I think is further then than it is now. Absolutely, from, from Absolutely. home plate on the campus, and these guys hitting away on the roof and stuff like that. <laughs> One particular lefty, I remember Howie Falk was a, mm. he was a strong guy, and he he was. He played basketball at Sullivan. I went to Sen. Those were two kind of rival schools. So he was he was a good athlete. And that, those those were the days that I'm not sure what a gym is is like exactly. No, I know I know it's a very sports oriented camp. But then mm-hmm. it was really a sports oriented camp. Yeah, and uh, they had all these counselors who were just all everything in Chicago high school sports and even in, into college. Some of them. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to me that uh, the real level of elite athlete um, that the, the camp was able to pull during that period of time 
um, the 50s all the way on, on into the 60s. I guess it really until there were sort of specialized camps that started to pull them away. These days, that's the real big difference for us, is that if a kid is exceptional, he's, by the time he's 12 or so, he's getting pulled into specialized camps and he's not able to come to our camp for the summer. Hmm. Um, but in those days, Ojibwe was sort, of, was sort of the specialized camp in its own way because it was a place where they could go practice or play their sport all summer long, too. So you got all these guys. And yeah, no, absolutely. It was, uh, it, I mean, I, I mean, I remember the, uh, you know, the music program wasn't as uh, big a deal then as, as it is now, you mm-hmm. know, where you guys have really drawn some really, really good music people in to, to do that kind of stuff. And it was really more, you know, it was more about, you know, oh, I don't know, collegiate week and, you know, Sure. That that kind of stuff. You know, that was what everybody, all the kids were really <laughs> into and talking about. Yeah. Right. So the big things you would have been working on, the things you were brought there for, would, uh, not unlike myself, when I first started, I was there for primarily, I was told, and I quote, the music and drama program is very important in Camp Ojibwe. Right. You need someone to come in and run it. Right. Uh, they never get told me that it was a sports camp. Uh-huh. I, I don't know about yourself. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know it was a sports camp until I was there. I think I did know that. I'm not sure how I knew that, but yeah. I think I did kind of know that. And I liked sports too. Yeah. I mean, I was okay. I wasn't. I wasn't all star. You know, anything, but I was okay. You know, I could play most sports pretty well. You know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was I was fun. I always give Denny a hard time because Denny was smart. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he mm-hmm. was trying to hire, but. Uh, he was also smart enough to know that a guy who was like a, a theater kid in college would be looking for a theater camp to mm-hmm. go to or like summer stock. Sure. And probably not be going to the <laughs> sure. all-boys sports camp. It's probably true. Uh, but it worked out. So uh, I'm sure you did intercabin sing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I even remember doing intercabin sing and stuff with, you know, my, my cabins. And frankly, uh, my cabins were... You know, fairly mediocre, <laughs> but even despite that, Pearl made sure that I, my cabin won. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, very nice. And I really didn't deserve to whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That was kind of, oh, that's sort of crazy. <laughs> yes, we did that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've heard some some stories about it or cabin singing, about it either being, you know, for the guys who were decent singers, it was uh-huh. a great time, right. and for everyone else, it seems to have just been it wasn't. It wasn't the main focus, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, you did the well, the minstrel show. Obviously, did the minstrel show uh, in those was days, still yes. in its heyday at that point. Yeah, I don't place. think it was blackface, but it was you know it was a minstrel show for right. sure. Yeah, right. And I guess uh, along with that would be like sort of um, not unlike the jubilee. Now there'd be a lot of individual numbers and solos yes. and things that would seem to be blended into the that's correct the typical yeah. structure. And then uh, stunt night, uh, I assume co- collegiate week song night, and all of all, that all stuff. All of that stuff, yeah. So, I mean, that was sort of where I was, you know, busy, I guess, as, as, you know, as much as I had any particular special thing I did there. I guess that was the special thing I did. Yeah. yeah. And I was, yeah, I was a kid. I was 18, you know. I didn't know right. a lot about what I was doing anyway. Right. Plus, but, you're but the staff guy at camp with a bunch yeah, of other right. guys. You're running right. around and whatever. Right. Um, I guess the root of that question, though, for me, is there were there any other things? I mean, those are the things, like, right now, if, if we hired a piano player at camp, those are the things they would play for, specifically. Right. But are were there any other things that maybe I don't know about or that were, like, a regular sort of situation? I just liked it all. I mean, yeah. I, really, I really loved uh, 
the waterfront activities. Mm. Uh, you were just talking about this guy who was a waterfront boat guy. Actually, uh, the first year I was up there, uh, Denny Rosen was the waterfront director. Ah. <laughs> 1958. I think that was his main job the first year. I don't remember about 60. Probably 60 also. Yeah. And uh, so I did a lot of a lot of stuff with that, I guess. And uh, I don't know, just, you know, the area was so beautiful, and I, I tried to take advantage of that as much as I could. And, you know, we did whatever counselors did, you know, just kind of wandering around the areas sure. best we could. And, you know, enjoying the place, enjoying the campers, enjoying the staff, enjoying the food. You know, it, it was like I said, I mean, to me, this was this place was just, I mean, my God, this was really amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it really still is. So, that's uh, 58 and 60, and wow. then we fast forward a little bit, and uh, Elliot comes and tells me, hey, guess what, for the Jubilee this year, we have a guy... Who yeah. was here yeah, a, a few years, years ago? <laughs> yeah, nineteen sixty, and, and that that was the year. I remember exactly what year it was, because it, it was the year of my sixtieth birthday, which would have been two thousand, mm. right? And uh, my wife was saying to me, "Gee, what do you want to do for your birthday? Where do you want to go?" Thinking I'm going to say like, "Oh, let's go to uh, Tahiti, or sure. uh, you know, uh, spend a week in Italy." Whatever I said, and I remembered that when when I was up there, I was up there also for for one uh, post season. Oh, okay. And I, I still remember some of the the cool parents that were up there. And in those days, I as I recall, and I might be wrong, but I think I'm not. It was pretty much an adult only kind of thing. There were not yes. children involved. And I said, gee, I remember they had this really neat thing up at Camp Ojibwa called post-season. And, uh, and I said, gee, and, and I knew Denny Rosen, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, from, you know, a long time. So I said, why don't we just go up there for a week, you know, not knowing even what I was really Sure. <laughs> into. Well, by that time, I mean, it was mostly families, or mainly, I'd say, a lot of families with kids and young right. kids. It was very different than what I'd recall. I believe in the in the times you're recalling, there was a, a very strong no crib rule. No cribs, no diapers. That was, very, was that the room? right okay. up front. So well, they definitely they did, didn't have young kids. They didn't have any. And yeah, then, I, I don't know if they had, you know, maybe kids that were older, but I just don't remember. I remember they were just a bunch of neat parents, you know, that, that hung out there, and they a lot of these guys came up every year, you know, they, they were just regulars, they yeah. were up there every single postseason, and uh, one thing I remember so well to this very day, uh, there, there, uh, there was this, this, this guy that we went, uh, a bunch of counselors went into town with one of the dads that were up there, who was a really cool guy, and we all liked this guy. And uh, so we were, we were at some bar, something like that. And uh, he pulls out a $100 bill and drops it on the counter and says, take care of these boys. Let me know when that runs out. <laughs> and I wow. was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is the greatest man that's ever oh walked here. Oh, my God. I, like I say, to this day, I remember that. I remember that, that happened. Oh, 
that's uh, that's awesome. So, uh, so anyway, so we went up for postseason. It was kind of fun, and you know, kind of hooked up with, uh, you know, some of these people. That was uh, say nineteen sixty ish, and uh, so kind of you know made you know kind of renewed some friendships that I hadn't had with Denny, and you know, I don't know if George Sachs was up there then. Uh, he must have been. Sure. Yeah. And uh, so let's see. So that, that's, that's 2000, right? And then uh, and then somehow or other, uh, I think the very first year you were at camp, I don't know how many years ago that was. Well, 2000 was my first year. 2001 was your So I must have started coming up and doing... Jubilee right around then. I think I was up there the first year, the very first year you were there. Yeah, that makes sense. I, well, I and went in 2000 and I skipped 2001 then came back in 2008. So and I met 02. So that, maybe that's, so maybe that I skipped sense. a couple of years after we went up there for my 60th birthday. And, mm-hmm. and somehow I got hooked up, uh, whether it's through George Sachs, who I know out here in San Diego, or Denny, who, you know, every once in a while I talk to, I don't really keep Close contact with Denny, sure. but I love Denny. You know, Denny's a great guy. I've known him forever <laughs> and ever and ever. We've had some, we've had some great times together. Yeah. So I, so I started going up there, and I think I went up there for about, oh, let's say five years uh, in a row. And uh, so I did the Jubilee with Elliot mm-hmm. up there, and uh, was up there for probably about a week, I guess, something like that. You know, while that was going on. Yeah, and, uh, and then and then as I recall, or George tells me, and I'm, I really don't recall this exactly. I don't remember if Denny fired me, or, <laughs> or if I just said, you know, why don't you get somebody local? And you know, I, you know, I've done this. Eh, it's okay. I don't, I don't, I've got a lot of stuff to do. Which I do a lot of music, so I'm, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. So yeah. people were leaning on me to hang around a little bit. And I said, okay, I've done this for a few years, so I'll. So I'll, I'll, I'll just uh, let Denny find somebody, you know, yeah. more locally. He doesn't spend, you know, money for a plane ticket, you know, for me sure. back and forth. Sure, and certainly. He was probably into that. <laughs> uh, what was it like to come back after all those years and suddenly, well, to be staff now for for, yeah. for that week or whatever? What was it, it was like? great. I mean, it was really fun. And, and Elliot was very creative. And uh, Elliot knows, you know, tons of stuff about Broadway, as you know. That's his main interest he doesn't know much about any other kind of music <laughs> you know so <laughs> you know true. so we 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 do all of uh, all of the broadway stuff that elliot wanted to do in jubilee and whatever and then i'd throw in some elton john or billy joel or whatever all these things that he just wasn't at all interested in yes and the kids kind of like that <laughs> so so we we just kind of expanded it a little bit and uh, made it into a you know a nice little show in, in those days the uh the rec hall was pretty primitive. I understand the sound system has uh, been greatly uh, enhanced by we have definitely George's, made a, George's uh, yes. nephew. We have made right. a few changes. And, right. and, uh, not only that, but we also uh, built the stage out. Uh, the stage oh, now, um, instead of being a little yes. you know, stairs in the front, there's now eight feet of extra stage really? and then steps oh, in front of good that. for you guys. Um, yeah, got some new new paint, some new stuff. It really, uh, it looks sharp. It I'll was a bet. really nice year back in the rec hall. I'll yeah. bet. I'll bet. Yeah. No air conditioning, though. Uh, actually, <laughs> uh, they also installed air conditioning. Did they really? That is a true oh, story. Oh, that's, um, that's, that's a big plus. I will say that I was, uh, I was firmly against it. I was like, you I, were. I was like, I, yes, if someone was just 
to throw money in a hole, I understand. But to me, it's just not summer camp. Like, you don't go to summer camp to sit in the air conditioning. I well, see, that. when I first got up there, I was amazed they had outlets for these kids to plug in their electric blankets. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that for a boy's summer camp? You know? right, oh, it's just supposed God. to have certain <laughs> rustic <laughs> elements that are part really? of the thing, you know. Oh, that, Sometimes that, that, that means That was sweating. an eye-opener. <laughs> I didn't know there were camps like that. Yes. Um, but it all worked out fine, and in fact, this year's Jubilee, uh, we, we've we been doing it outside. We've actually been doing it outside. Prop, did we do one outside no, together? No. I bet it was the year after that. No. Um, and it happened because that particular year, it was particularly stifling. So hot. And so we came up with the idea, could we set everything up outside and get electricity run out there and get it all working? Yes, we figured that out. So we did the first one outside, and people stayed. As you may right. recall, yeah. part of the problem was that parents yeah. would just take right. off. You got it. Um, and people actually stayed. So we, were like, we realized we killed two birds with one stone. So we were outside pretty thoroughly until this year. And we moved them back in. And we put in the air conditioning, covered the windows. And sure enough, everyone stayed. It was cool. Well, I must say, Chris, I mean, I was really amazed to find out however many years later since I haven't been up there. Mm-hmm. You were still there <laughs> because I said, "What's this? You know this this kind of theater non-Jewish dude? Right. You know hanging out here every year up at Camp Ojibwe? He, well, he didn't even live any place close by." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? exactly. And I said, "Wow! I mean, and I thought that was a great plus for camp. I I don't know what what they did to make you stay, but I was really amazed that you just have hung in all these years. Yeah. You know." I don't, I don't really know what they did to make me stay. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just the, you know, it uh-huh. is that place. And, yeah, and yeah. it's the same thing that made you go, yeah. well, after all these years, why not? That'd be yeah. a pretty great place to yeah. go check out. Yeah. It just brings you back. and it, it's, you know. it's memorable. I mean, uh, uh, in my life, you know, I've done a lot of really great things, neat stuff. But, I mean, those are memories that you just don't lose. Yeah. You know? Those were just uh, really... Uh, it was it was just a great time. There there was uh, in 1960 when I was up there. There, uh, there was a good friend, a couple of good friends of mine who were in my med school class who were counselors up there. One really really good friend of uh, Denny's who I think was on the board for years. I'm not sure if he still is, but Mitchell Krieger. Oh sure, was in my med school class, and he was a very good friend of mine too. And uh, so he was up there. I don't know, maybe for few years and then I know he and Denny always did these fishing trips Mm -hmm. and whatever and a bunch of guys so he was a good friend of mine he was up there and then this other guy who I went to med school with was a fellow I won't name because he really didn't like it at all I see (laughs) (laughs) and uh and he he was very I'm not even sure why he didn't like it but Mm. but he really just it, it didn't it didn't resonate with him so he started a society (laughs) That he called Dwasi, D W A S E, down with Al Schwartz's empire. Oh, wow! <laughs> and it was in fun. I mean, sure, it of course. But but we did crazy things. I mean, like you know, somebody uh, stole, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, just stupid ass stuff. Somebody stole. Uh, I don't know where out of her. Maybe your dress or something got a pair of uh, Pearl Schwartz's panties or oh, something boy. and ran it up the flagpole 
<laughs> that didn't go over too well. No, I can imagine as you it can wouldn't. Imagine. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure she ever found out who did that. <laughs> that was mainly this guy who was yeah. the the gang leader, just to do something crazy. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, it's pretty harmless, but you know. right. But that that's yeah. classic camp fun, <laughs> right, though, right, right there right, for yeah, sure. Right. For sure. And you talked about uh, still going out to the bars with the guys, uh, yeah. with the dad. Was that, uh, that scene, I mean, obviously the drinking age was younger then, so of course we'll mention that just for <laughs> um, What is the drinking age there? Well, I mean, it's 21, but in those days I think it was 18 or yeah, it must have, and we must It must have been or, legal, I guess. Yeah, for so sure. you're all 18 years old at least. Probably kids mostly 19 and 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but somebody's got a car, and you guys, do you remember right. any of the places in town or anything you used to go to or anything like well, that? Well, you know, of course, everybody... Remember Zimpleman's, mm. you know, which was mostly an ice cream place, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, you know, in those days. Is it yeah. Still, uh, it is not. It's a fudge place. So, it's yeah. not called Zimpleman's, but that yeah. that building is still there, and people are like, "Oh yeah, that's where that's where it was." Well, so, I guess just sort of wrapping up, you know, you spend two years at the camp. Yeah. Now, fifty years ago, uh, how do you think those two years affected your life? Well, I mean, as I say, there, I mean, it was, I mean, there wasn't much bad about it, and there was so much good about it. I mean, first of all, it's such a gorgeous, wonderful, unique place, at least it was to me, mm-hmm. you know, and all the beautiful stuff around the lake and the fancy houses, the Keishans and the this and that and the other, and, uh, and just... You know, playing playing a lot of softball and playing some tennis wasn't a big sport then, but I played a little bit. And uh, yeah, I was kind of a semi-mediocre. You know, as a little guy, wasn't a big basketball uh, superstar. But I said we had some really great counselors up there. Uh, I think even right before my time, there was a guy who went to Santa High School named Ron Rubenstein. Oh, sure. Who uh, ended up playing at Louisville. Didn't do much in college for some reason. Man, he was the best high school basketball player I've ever seen, you know, and the other guys, Hershey Carl and all these guys, all these, <laughs> you've probably heard Absolutely. everybody talk about those guys. Yeah, I'm Ronnie sure. Rubenstein gets the top, you know, always he, gets talked he about was in the top. amazing. Top. Yeah. I mean, you know, this guy could, sh- I mean, it's kind of this little shot, and he could shoot it from three quarters, court, and swish, and, you know, he wow. And, you know, he was great. He actually, I remember when Sid Novak's team, I think it was Crane Tech. Okay. If, I, if I'm not I think that mistaken. Is right. mm-hmm. Crane Tech, which was a, a black school in uh, the south part of Chicago that always won, you know, the city championships and all sorts of stuff. You know, Sid, Sid used to tell interesting stories about these guys when they'd, you know, be traveling somewhere and go out for and, you know, talked about things that weren't things they were brought up with, like, you know, Sid would uh, have, have a, maybe a Caesar salad with sardines or something, oh. and these kids would say, Coach, you want to eat that? stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Sid uh, took, I remember saying, went to Sen High School, which, you know, was mostly, I'd say, the biggest part of the basketball team were Jewish kids, and not terribly tall. Sure. Most of them, maybe the center, maybe was... Six two, six three, or something, and so it's Crane Tech, which was a great team. But they came into our school. I remember to, to have a game against you know our team, which was a pretty decent team. 
but, you know, we didn't think they were. And Ron Rubenstein sunk a, you know, long, long shot to beat these guys at the buzzer. Oh, wow. And I, you know, it was, it, it's probably the only really, the only high school basketball game I could really ever remember exactly what happened because it was so memorable. That was Sid's team, you know. Yeah. I didn't know Sid, you know, but I knew who he was, you know, just from being Crane Tech because he was, you know, he was a guy that he was a coach of Crane Tech or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I still remember, uh, I remember our, our little team beating his, uh, you know, big <laughs> all state everything. You know, wow. guys, You know, and it was Ron Rubenstein. Right, that's a huge that, win. That did it, yeah. Yeah, I've heard some interesting stories about Sid. I mean, Sid was is really, anybody that was there during Sid's time really has stories about him, but really, you know, he was a big influence on camp at that time. He sure. was a great guy. I mean, he was a, kind of a stocky, strong guy. And uh, you didn't want to mess with him. I mean, you know, he was <laughs> he, he was the kind of guy that, you know, I mean, like I said, I mean, he had his, whatever his rules were and his ideas of what you should be doing, what was right. And he had no compunction about letting people know what that was. But, but on the other hand, he was very fair and he was very nice and uh, very memorable. Yeah. And he was, he was just a really... He was a good fit for that camp at that time, for sure. Yeah. You know, and he loved it. I just loved the first time. He uh, loved it. One of the guys told me, like, oh, yeah, you, Sid was a professional wrestling referee. And I was like, wait a minute, wait. <laughs> How do we get to I th- that? I think that's it's right. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's correct. I, I'd forgotten that. Don't think about stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he was, uh, I mean, he was, he was one of these people that was sort of a presence. You know, when he was around, you knew it. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. You know. That's about it. I mean, you know, it, it, it was really, uh, it was memorable. It was a memorable part of my life. Uh, you know, however many years I spent up there, and, you know, in whatever ways, probably if you add them up, it's to maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years. I don't know, max. But they were all really memorable parts of parts of the year, whether postseason or whatever it was. Yeah. And being a counselor... Uh, it just it just made me a little envious of all the kids that have kind of grown up there, you know, and had the privilege. I think it is a privilege of being a camper and then going on to JC, and, and just you know just the uh, the strong feelings that kids had about being a part of that atmosphere. You yeah. know, it, it really uh, it's it's a lifelong. Uh, it's a lifelong thing that I wouldn't have really ever had a chance to do had, you know, Roz Novak or whatever, you know, like uh, just touted me because they needed some guy to do some music up there. It, yeah. it was it was, it was great, and I, I'm still, uh, I really need to come up there again. Please do. Mm-hmm. Well, Jay, thank you so much for your time. I can't thank you enough for doing well, this. thanks for coming all the way out here to see us, guys. Absolutely. My gosh. <laughs> Yeah, you kidding? Yeah. Oh man, do I have to go out to San Diego? <laughs> I guess. Oh boy. <laughs> As you can hear, that would be the end of the show, but Jay and I sat around and kept talking for a little while, and then we got to talking about the topic of Denny Rosen and Sandy Rosen. And I had remembered that Jay knew them back in the day, and I asked him about it, and he told me a little bit more great information. So I wanted to add that here at the end so you guys could check it out.
is he went out with my ex-wife before I went out with her. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I really kind of think that was sort of the one of the ways that I met her, you know, was because of, because of Denny. And, uh, of course, I remember when he first started going out with Sandy way before they were married, too. Right. And uh, I remember being out with uh, them on a double date. Uh, and I remember Sandy, just who, I don't think she drinks a lot, but that particular night, <laughs> she certainly did. <laughs> and she puked up a storm in the backseat of this car. <laughs> Yeah, you would, it's not you know it's not who you think of when you think of right, Sandy, absolutely. Sandy Rosen, you know. So that was that was pre Mrs. Rosen days. Yes, yes. Oh God, that's so. And she's I mean, she's she's the best. She she's, is the best. She's terrific. Now, so Denny, maybe you're connected to this too. So when Denny met Sandy, uh-huh. he was on a double date with her. She was on a date with Mitchell, right? Maybe. I think that's how it went. Because she was on a date with his friend. Yeah, yeah. They were he and Mitchell and then, were best friends. Yeah. So I yes. think that's what it was. That Sandy yeah. was on a date with him and Denny had yeah. whoever. Yeah. And then it didn't go anywhere for anybody. Uh-huh. And then months later, maybe a year later, Denny asked Mitchell, Hey, do you mind if I call okay. up what's her face? And what's her face turned out to be his wife of fifty now could, three years. <laughs> could very well be. Yeah, no, it, uh, she, she's she's really she's really a good kid. And she's yeah. uh she was really a good find for him too. I think it kind of really, you know, settled him in a little bit, and uh, you know, you know, we get lucky with, or unlucky with women. You know, we don't understand these guys, and uh, sure. you know, he just happened to coin flip and have a good, good, you know, worked out, worked out well. You know, and it worked yeah. out for her, I think, too, really. Yeah, you know? I think you, I think you, you know what I meant. Okay, that is it. Another episode of the Camp Ojibwe History Podcast is in the books. Jay Berman, really fun time seeing Jay. Uh, big big thank you to him for having me over and uh, fitting me into his very busy schedule. I was working around uh, gigs and rehearsals, and he was finding time for me, and it was it was amazing. And uh, and you can tell he's a natural entertainer and natural raconteur, and so a lot of fun times, a lot of fun stories shared. He dug it. I dug it. I hope you guys dug it. As always, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibbleHistory.org, or you can just swing by the website, CampoJibbleHistory.org, see what's going on over there, see if there's anything new posted, and see if there's anything old you've missed. As I mentioned before in the opening of the show, go to Stevenson High School. Check out Fiddler on the Roof. Check out Matthew Zimmering. He's incredible. He's awesome. He's really, really good. Support your campers. And when you're done... And it's been amazing. Go outside and celebrate with a cigar. <laughs>